Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Crushing Real Estate with Brian Pham, where we interview real estate professionals around the industry. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a very positive review. We release an episode every single Sunday, so stay tuned. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Crushing It in Real Estate. This week we have Mr. Daniel Lin Nguyen. Daniel is an investor located in the San Francisco Bay Area. He does multifamily investments in the Midwest, and he also does hotel investments all over the country. Daniel, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, Brian. Glad to be here. Can you walk us through your real estate journey and how you got started? Sure, yeah. Um, I guess uh, in the beginning, it was almost a, a, like a, a joke in my head. I was just uh-huh. thinking, man, I'm, I'm this really lazy guy, always doing minimum to get by. <laughs> and what can I do to stop working as soon as possible? Yeah. And I was like, all I want to do is play with, is play with my cars, my golf, tennis, yeah. travel. What year I was, was like, I don't really care about a career. Yeah. Uh, my career is to, to, to enhance my life, to, to make my life happen. It's not the other way around. Mm-hmm. So, and then I was like, man, 40 years, nine to five. God, that sounds so morbid. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So my first thought was passive income, mm-hmm. rental properties. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so I got started, uh, my, my first, uh, my primary residence I purchased in 2012. Okay. Um, and then I I was able to basically leverage that into my first rental property uh, in 2013. Okay. Where was it located at? Uh, so, uh, my first house was in on the, it was right on the border of, uh, Mountain View in Los Altos. Wow. uh, So that house, um, I actually got an idea. I had no idea it was called house hacking, mm-hmm. but one of my friends, before I bought the house, he lived in a house in West San Jose off of 85. Okay. And he, uh, he lived with two of his high school friends mm-hmm. and I talked to him and I was like, oh, so they just live with you? He's like, oh, no, no. I, I, rent, the, I rent the rooms out to them. I'm like, oh my God, this is the oh, greatest wow. idea. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, what better can you do? You can buy a house, rent out rooms to your friends, you live with your friends and you make some money on top of it. So that's what I did with my house in, in, in Mountain View. Mm-hmm. Um, my condo was in Emeryville. I bought that in 2013. Oh wow. Back to back years. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, over the, over the course of the, uh, the last six, seven years or, or mm-hmm. so, um, I was able to enjoy basically the, the real estate growth twofold because of the, the rental side and the primary residence side. Mm-hmm. That's amazing, dude. So I mean, prior to that, what did you do for your profession? Uh, I was in finance. Oh, wow. So I, uh, I worked for Wells Fargo. I worked for WageWorks um, on the finance side. Mm-hmm. I was with uh, Wells Fargo Commercial Real Estate Group, basically keeping track of uh, Wells Fargo's uh, commercial real estate stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, and my goal was to do CFA or CPA, one of those two. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, I kind of, I talked to a bunch of mentors and they're like, oh yeah, get your CPA. Uh, you'll be able to make like $185,000 in no 10 years. 
<laughs> 10 years. <laughs> at the time, I was like, I was making 50,000 or 60,000, 70,000 yeah. a year. I'm like, oh my God, that's like amazing. <laughs> that sounds awesome. That's so much money. And then now I, I look back and, and uh, I, I go out and see people with their, uh, their, their little kind of beep in tags on their belt loop. I'm like, mm-hmm. man, poor, poor guy. <laughs> So how many years did you work as as a finance guy before you got into real estate? Um, so man, I skipped around a lot. I uh, I worked in finance for probably like two years. Okay, I did, um, and then I hated it. I did recruiting, headhunting uh-huh. for financial positions. Okay, and then I uh, coincidentally met a guy in the parking lot of the the um, <laughs> the uh, the recruiting firm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just a big business park. I met yeah. him and he was like, I, I do mortgage. I'm a mortgage broker. Mm-hmm. And he made more money than the recruiters I was working with. And he's like, come work with me. I'm like, okay, let's do it. I like money. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, yeah. And then just uh, getting bored and switching different industries. And that kind of got me to where I am today. Just uh, all the experience. I, I went from uh, mortgage mm-hmm. to going to uh, the, uh, the ARIA events, Asian Real Estate Association, mm-hmm. uh, to network with realtors. Um, I met uh, Rich Kwok, the uh, the broker. He's and an amazing guy. His wife, Lana, to, yeah. uh, to flip properties 2014-15. Got my real estate license, did the realtor thing for a year, and then mm-hmm. meanwhile, uh, growing the, um, the rental portfolio. Mm-hmm. And so by the time I got to looking to get into my 28 unit and my two four unit buildings in Cincinnati. I had the, the finance background. I had the real estate background, mortgage background, flipping background, mm-hmm. real estate agent background and landlord background all yeah. kind of put together. And so um, I met my current partners. They, they saw some value in, in what I brought to the table and mm-hmm. the rest is history. That's amazing. So yeah. Retract. So you worked for two years. You bought your first property mm-hmm. in the border in 2012, and then you got your first real rental property in Emeryville. Yes. And from that time, when was the jump to like that 42 unit you bought in the Midwest? So I, uh, so I was lucky. I, I spoke to Rich, and he was saying, "Don't don't rent out a condo. HOA is only going to go up. They don't appreciate as much." And so I ended up uh, doing a 1031 from my condo to a four unit oh, wow. in San Jose. Oh, geez. That's really good. Congrats. Yeah. Um, I, obviously, I, I, 100% of the funds went in and I, I added some savings along with it to, um, to put a down payment. Mm-hmm. And then I kept that for 18 months. Mm-hmm. And then I decided uh, the rent control in San Jose was just way too, way too difficult for me. And <laughs> so I wanted to go out of state. So okay. I, I actually t- talked to uh, some networks, uh, one of my best friends, and he said, take a look at Cincinnati. I went to Indiana University, so okay. Cincinnati's only an hour or something away. Mm-hmm. He's from out there. So he t- said, look at Cincinnati. And I went in there and everything just made sense. Oh, wow. So you had that comfortability just by going to school in, in Indiana? Yeah. So that, that kind of initially gave me the... Um, the network to, or at least the, the confidence of working, yeah. uh, of being in the Midwest, having been in the Midwest for, for four, four years or so going to school and getting to know the, uh, how, how the people are. And yeah. And That's a huge advantage, by the way. Excuse me? That's a huge advantage, by the way. Yeah. 
Yeah. And did you go to Purdue University out there? I went to Indiana University in Bloomington. Oh, okay. oh gotcha. That's a really yeah. good university, man. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I did uh, the Kelly School of Business and graduated with uh, finance uh, and entrepreneurship and minored in psychology. You're using every single part of the, that degree right now. Congratulations. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> That's great, man. So you got into your, your mid-size apartment out in Cincinnati. Yeah. But how is this jump to hotels, man? This is a different beast. This is the bulk of the podcast right here. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, so my partner, uh, so my, 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 two, so two of my best friends now, uh, Mike Ely and Nate Barger, they, they both live in Cincinnati. I actually met them because I, I bought my, uh, all 36 of my units from them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, uh, I'm partnered with them for the, the 39 units. So a nine unit building, a 30 unit building and the uh, 46,000 uh, square foot commercial warehouse. Mm-hmm. So Mike has been, uh, kind of dabbling in hotels for a long time. Uh, he finally got Nate into it and by default, um, they kind of adopted me, so to say. Mm-hmm. business-wise so it, it's the three of us basically mm-hmm. and um so we decided to look at hotels mm-hmm. and it, it's it's so funny because uh, nate and mike just closed in july a uh 346 unit portfolio 346 unit portfolio hotel in yeah. uh no no uh multifamily oh multifamily okay and so uh so i uh so i almost like i i never talked to nate anymore because he's just running around like a chicken with his head cut off <laughs> roofs, 346 kitchens, like 700 toilets and all this stuff. I can. And, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we, we go up to the, uh, the courtyard Marriott that we closed a few months ago. Yeah. And Nate walks in. He's like, we need to power wash the building and it needs some mulch over there. Mm-hmm. And then he was saying, he's like, man, I don't want to do multifamily anymore. <laughs> it's just, the, the maintenance was so... Yeah, to the multifamily. I agree. That's mm-hmm. agree with that one. So that's that's crazy. I, you know, you, and yeah, and it was also the scalability of it. Yeah, like you you to go uh, to to build a billion dollar multifamily com- uh, prop, uh, portfolio mm-hmm. is it's a lot of work. Yeah, <laughs> like you're building it like five, ten million, twenty million at the time. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that one. So yeah. walk us through your first hotel deal. How'd you find it? How'd you fund it? What kind of challenges and, you know, how'd you overcome them, man? We want to know more about this fuel. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so we, uh, we actually, we were partnered with a, uh, the management company, the operator. Okay. They, uh, they're Commonwealth Hotels LLC. They're based out of uh, Covington, Kentucky, which is right across the river mm-hmm. from uh, Cincinnati. It's that tri-state area, Indiana, Kentucky, and Cincinnati all just meet in that little corner. Mm-hmm. And um, so we partnered up with them. So the deal is they actually, they're so well-connected in the hotel industry that mm-hmm. they, they find us off-market deals. So we only go for off-market, off-market deals. hotels? Yep. I can't imagine that. <laughs> yeah, so, it's, uh, so they analyze probably 100 deals a month. Yeah. And they pass on five deals to us. Mm-hmm. And then we will go for one, maybe none, because um, uh-huh. we, we're, we're very strict yeah. on what kind of numbers we go for. Because as yeah. you know, a lot of times uh, the deal is made at the purchase. I agree. The, the, the price allows you 
uh, either allows you flexibility or it pins you into a corner. Yeah. So question on that. So how do you rent comps to hotels and you know, how do, how do you know what's a good price range? Like it's just yeah. for anyone's get started, you know? Yeah, so, so with, with our hotels, for example, uh, I'll kind of walk you through our previous uh, deal and then um, yeah. I'll, I'll explain. So uh, we, we look at the comp set um, okay. and then we look at what the comp set and equilibrium pricing is. And by equilibrium pricing, I mean uh-huh. how much does it cost to build a new one from the ground up? And so with this specific area and this specific comp set, the comp set was 150000 a door. To build oh wow um not and, that bad. and so we were like okay if they did one hundred fifty thousand a door uh-huh then as long as we have a good amount below that on our acquisition plus uh capex mm-hmm. then that's our equation so with this one we were able to negotiate um the full package the hotel plus the capex Okay. Because it needed a 15-year pit, which is property enhancement package. Basically, the renovation, the hard renovation. 15 years. So, so both of those put together, mm-hmm. um, we came out to purchasing it for just short of 85000 a door. Oh, wow. And because of that, um, and so we, we sent out this package to a lot of people. And, 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 and we, uh, we, we, have, we have a lot of criticism because people were like, man, this plan is not going to work at all mm-hmm. because look at how highly you're leveraged. And, I, I, and then I told people, I'm like, you can't look at it so black and white. It's not just what is your leverage. It's not just how much did you pay per door. It's not just any of those. It's all, all of them combined. Mm-hmm. Because, for example, they, they buy their, uh, let's say they buy their hotel for 150000 a door. Okay. They leverage 65%. And everybody's like, oh, that's awesome. You only leverage 65%. Mm-hmm. Um, and your, your guy's deal is horrible because you're leveraged 85%. It's so, like, yeah, but we're leveraged 85% on 80,000 a door. On 85,000 a door. I would rather be leveraged on 85% of 80,000 or 85,000 than 65% of 150,000. Okay. And so because of that, um, the debt is less. And so because of that, we know we know that we're going to survive and get our investors their return because we can drop our um, our price per room mm-hmm. so far down below theirs and still still make a profit mm-hmm. that we're not. There's almost there's very very little risk. Okay, so we can undercut everybody and still survive when they can't. Jumon is asking, like, what kind of numbers are you guys looking at for these hotels? Just to give our listeners a more complete picture. Yeah, so um, so this one we purchased. It, it, this one was dirt cheap. This one was uh, it was a it was roughly twelve uh, twelve point three million for for the full package. It was actually, <laughs> uh, we actually got it for seven million for the hotel and five point three million renovation quote. Okay. How many units is this in this hotel? This is 145 rooms. Okay, so 145 rooms for 12.5 million, mm-hmm. and that also includes repairs. Yes. Okay. Wow. And for this project, are you guys syndicating it, or how does? Well, we we already closed. Okay. 
This one, we, we closed, uh, it, we did syndicate. Um, we closed uh, about three, three, three and a half months ago. Okay. So actually, uh, a few, uh, a couple weeks ago was uh, our first, um, and because they're, they're already running, and we choose hotels that are self-debt servicing. So the, the, the trail, we look at the trailing 12 months, mm-hmm. and they are self-debt servicing for the new debt plus investor uh, uh, investor distributions. So the first after the first quarter that we own it, Investors are already getting their, they, they already got their first distribution uh, a week or two ago. Let's say, for example, like I'm an investor inside one of your syndication projects for hotels. Yeah. What's the payout structure and loan structure like? For so basically, um, so on this one, we ended up getting um, a total of 85%, um, but 2 million of that was PACE. So. So PACE, uh, it, doesn't, it's, it doesn't act as debt. It's almost like a property tax. It's a lien on your property that, gets, uh, that you play it off uh, and it's amortized. So kind of like a principal and interest kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So with that, um, mm-hmm. with that we, we were able to, to leverage the first position with PACE to 85% and we only had to raise 15 Okay, and pace, as you mentioned before, is like a lien on the property. Yes, never quick. Okay, so it's uh, so it's basically like a uh, it's it's a it's a lien on. So it's not a loan per se. Uh, you do pay it back. It's amortized, but um, it doesn't hit the books as a as a debt. Okay, and so it's it's almost like yeah, it's 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 hit the it hits the books just like property taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that's just kind of the nature of how it it, it lands in the financials. Yeah. But, in kind of all in a practical standpoint it acts as a loan okay wow that's that's really cool yeah and it's it's mostly meant for um for the the energy efficient energy efficient remodels Mm -hmm. okay and you know you know making that switch from multifamily to hotels what would you say is the biggest challenge that you face um i would say the biggest challenge is the quant uh is probably the familiarity uh with investors yeah um because most investors most people who want to get into real estate investing mm-hmm. the first thing they look at is multifamily so when i go to different networking events and meetup groups and and uh different places that investors would be mm-hmm. um only i think two people i've ever met have been involved with hotels in the past. Okay. And so it's kind of a, and uh, it's similar to when somebody comes into shark tank mm-hmm. and, and the, the sharks always say the, the products is a good product. Mm-hmm. It's just the, the most difficult one is consumer education. Mm-hmm. And this is the same way with, uh, with a lot of hotel investors is that there, it's not that they don't believe in hospitality investing. They just, yeah don't know anything about it. And so it takes time for people to research mm-hmm. and then look at what the structures of deals are and then see what a good deal is and then, then come back and, and come to us and say, okay, I'm, I'm ready and I'm comfortable with hospitality investing. Okay, that's, that's really cool. So what kind of yeah. ROI and IRR can we expect like on a normal scale just to give us an idea? Yeah, yeah. So um, in general, uh, with the exception of, of uh, so overall projects, with the exception of California and, uh, and New York, okay. um, most 
most of the real estate investments we're going to be dealing with are going to be Hilton and Marriott hotels because they're the best flagged hotels uh, brands out there. Mm -hmm. And they roughly trade at like a seven and a half cap. Um, And the reason why we go for them is is because of that. Um, Hyatt's and other brands usually trade at eight and a half cap or maybe even higher for kind of mom and pops hotels. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so usually we, we acquire these hotels at uh, roughly seven and a half cap off of, uh, off of actual T12s. And then once we go in and do the improvements, then it turns out to be more like between 10 and 12. Um, after we increase the value of the hotel. Yeah. Um, and, and it's because most of these hotels are existing and operational. So we know exactly what they're making, what they made yeah. the last three years. Mm-hmm. Um, internal rate of return usually falls in the 20% range. Um, though Mike's analysis is usually pretty conservative. Uh, for example, uh, with our, our last three months, mm-hmm. um, in the same, we, we have already beat what we projected and beat what the three months were last, the same three months were last year under the previous management. Wow. That's yeah. Cool. And then, uh, and then cash on cash usually ends up being right around the t- 11 to 12.33 average annually. And uh, investors typically earn 1.7 to, to 2x equity multiple over three to five year projects, uh, mostly depending on size. The, um, our next deal uh, is a little bit bigger. It's about 205, 206 uh, doors, keys. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the courtyard Marriott we, we have is, was, is uh, 145. So that one's three year term. We we anticipate a five year term for this next next project. Mm-hmm. And I know for this question, I'm kind of curious. Like, what's the exit like for hotels? Do you just sell like a big multifamily to get out of it? And like exactly. Um, so we we carried our our same equation from multifamily to the hotels. So it's it's basically similar to the 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 BRRR. Yeah. The type of uh, type of kind of. Uh, plan mm-hmm. we increase the, the capitalized value by decreasing expenses and we do that by plugging into the scaled system the 1.3 billion dollar system of our partner mm-hmm. uh, we do that and then they also have a huge sales and marketing team to and then they're uh, they're very very good at turning around food and beverage at these mm-hmm. hotels so combined we, we increase NOI therefore uh, increasing the capitalized value of these hotels which we then cash out refi. If we want to hold them, we can cash out refi, return all our money to our investors. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't mention before, but we offer investors uh, a preferred return plus equity. So yeah. when, when they get their money back, they the preferred return goes away because all their, all their money is returned to them and mm-hmm. they keep their equity perpetually until we sell. And then they get that, that equity payout um, when we, when we sell. Um, and then if we, decide that we want to sell right away they just get all their money back plus the equity payout from from uh, the equity that they own mm-hmm. i like that man that's that's really awesome to hear appreciate yeah it. yeah so so i think that the, the key part uh, that that kind of differentiates us is that when the investors get their money back mm-hmm. they retain the equity and continue to get a distribution every quarter until that hotel is sold okay well, wow, that's that's really cool. Yeah, and so that we can we can carry on their investment to the next deal and just mm-hmm. kind of build 
build our investors' equity into multiple hotels with using the same funds. Yeah. Uh, should they should they decide they want to stay with us? And on the legal side of things, like would you say that hotel investments would involve a lot more legal paper compared to like yes, yes. we um we you know it, by the time we get to the actual deal itself and getting the deal ready to raise funds um we're probably in it roughly half a million to 750,000 which is which is the uh kind of makes this a kind of a niche um a barrier that it raises the barrier entry a barrier to entry mm-hmm. and uh with with our group we're we're kind of in a niche market where we're small enough to, for example, our Courtyard Marriott, we closed three and a half uh, months ago. We purchased it from a $4 billion portfolio. Okay. And they just, they're just so big that they didn't want to deal with the renovation. <laughs> we at a few million, like a three or $4 million or $5 million just isn't worth it for them for a $4 billion portfolio. And on the, on the, on the opposing end, uh, our next deal is from a single owner. Uh-huh. Um, who just can't run the hotel that efficiently? Yeah, because they just don't have the scale and and the scaled pricing of vendors and mm-hmm. the the resources, uh, like an 85, 75, 80 percent sales team that our operator has. Yeah, um, to to boost everything, and so that's why we we can get this hotel at a similar price per door under the comp set. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the deals that we're, we've been sticking to, to, to make sure that we have so much room before, uh, before the, the, the comps catch up to us. And so it, it, it removes a lot of the risk of, um, of some the worst case scenario happening. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, with that being said, like hypothetically, you know, as you, as you mentioned before, like to enter into hotels, there's a high barrier. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, not only I mean, uh, the the obvious, which is which is money, because you're you're looking at, I mean, we're looking at the bottom of the line, like not quite the bottom of the line hotels, mm-hmm. like the the boutique hotels, but more the bottom of the line of the Marriotts and Hiltons, mm-hmm. uh, because they're in the Midwest. It's it's the best cap rates, mm-hmm. uh, the best pricing, and um, we're still looking at twenty five to, to to forty million dollar hotels. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I recently had a had a call with a group down in uh, SoCal who bought um, the hotel across from LaGuardia for uh, 120 million. Mm-hmm. So we're we're that, that's definitely not our we're we're trying to cater to the 99. percent We're mm-hmm. trying to cater to uh, just to give you an idea, the person who goes and doesn't want to stay in Union Square in San Francisco, they're gonna go rent a courtyard Marriott or a Hilton Garden in in Daly City and then yeah. rent a car and drive in. Um, and that's the 99% uh, of America. And so we're going more for the volume cash flow as opposed to the glory oh, we have a hotel in Union Square. <laughs> <laughs> no, whatever works, man. I, I, I admire that. That's yeah. Hey, so for the next section of the podcast, we want to focus more on, on you, Daniel. Okay. want to know more about you. So what is your reason for investing into real estate? What is your, what is your, why you mentioned before that, you know, you want to get your job, your passive income, but yeah. What do you hope to do once you accomplish most of these things? 
Um, yeah, part, so part of that uh, has to do with why we moved into uh, hotels as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's, mostly, it's mostly for family, future family. Yeah. Uh, we don't have kids yet, but I know we will. Mm-hmm. And um, You're married, by the way, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. I've uh, been married for three years now. Congratulations. Um, thank you. And we have a, we have a four-legged furry son. <laughs> I have three four-legged furry kids. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's very popular. Um but uh but so and I and I was thinking about my uh my portfolio, my uh, multifamily portfolio. Mm-hmm. It's being managed by uh Nate and Mike's property management company. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking if they retire and their kids don't want to take over. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that will keep that business open. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Commonwealth, they're a 1,700 employee company. Mm-hmm. Um, the CEO is retiring soon, but there's a vice, there's a president, vice president. Um, there's, you know, a big, the, a big line of succession, and so it's a, it's the company itself is a um, kind of a perpetual entity. Mm-hmm. And so they will always be there grooming the next generation to run the company. And because of that, we can have our hotels with them mm-hmm. and it can, it can stay with them even beyond our working years in our lives. I like that. It kind of reminds me of the book called Built to Last. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, it feels like, you know, so in the book, you I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I actually read it. <laughs> no, no, so the book's really good. So in the book, they're like, yeah, like most companies will end as soon as the, the founding member like passes away. Exactly. How do you build an everlasting company? And whatever you just yeah. brought up, like totally remind me, reminded me of that book. So I highly recommend mm-hmm. to all the listeners out there. You know, great book. Um, hey, Daniel, what are your... What are your short-term goals and long-term goals from now on? Like, what does it look like from the end of next year to five, ten years from now? Yeah, so uh, so right now I'm just concentrating on. Uh, so we're we're very comfortable. Um, mm-hmm. We have an amazing life. I've probably been on four vacations in the past twelve months. Mm-hmm. Uh, going on another one at the end at the end of Thanksgiving. Congratulations! Um, that sounds like fun. Yeah, so we went to uh, Australia, New Zealand in October, mm-hmm. Hawaii in January. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we, we visited my, my wife's parents in Idaho. It's not really a vacation, but, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, but, uh, but it, was, it was away from home. We, we got to see uh, Montana and the, uh, the place where Leonardo DiCaprio floated down in the Revenant and some cool, <laughs> some cool nature-y stuff. So. Yeah. And then uh, we're going to Turks and Caicos uh, after, uh, the Monday after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of given us the freedom to do that. Uh, my wife, because of the, the passive income, my wife works two days a week, uh, Saturdays and Sundays, and she has Monday through Friday off that we can, we can go and travel or just, just be healthy. Um, exactly. she, she That's has, real estate too. I love yeah, it. She, uh, she, she's a nurse. She, she does her exercise class in the morning. She goes uh-huh. and walks the dog, has, has her breakfast takes a shower and then it's one day. <laughs> <laughs> and then we just, we just go do whatever. Um, I love and it. then, um, yeah. So long-term goals include continuing to build this. Uh, so we're comfortable with the passive income. We just want yeah. to build, build more so that we, we become, mm-hmm. we're able to become a little bit more mindless. Should we decide to about 
expenditures. Yeah. <laughs> I like that, man. Those, those are really, really good goals. Yeah. Um, what kind of advice would you give someone that's just starting out in real estate? Now, knowing what you know now, what would you give them? Like, would you tell them um, to hey, go straight for hotels? Screw multiple. Yeah, I, uh, so I, you know, <laughs> honestly, I, um, I accidentally did this because yeah. I, I'm just, I naturally get bored really easily. So I jumped from one thing to another so much. But um, for example, if you want to get into real estate, I would say just start small. Mm-hmm. If you're a realtor, um, concentrate on saving and then starting to invest, even if it's small, because um, ideally, and I tell this to everybody, it's like you want to work 1x and make 1.1x, mm-hmm. and then work 1x and slowly make 1.2x, mm-hmm. and then work 1x and make 1.3x, and just all the way up. And a lot of people try to do too many things actively. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, and active is fine if you're going to, if it's going to build long term. Mm-hmm. passive income and if that's your goal mm-hmm. uh, it, it's different for everybody because some people just can't sit still and they they need to go be a real estate agent a flipper mm-hmm. at the same time because they just can't sit still yeah and um and every to, to each their own um it's just if you want to follow my lazy life then <laughs> <laughs> we all like to follow your lazy life daniel it sounds awesome yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, I actually I'm actually playing golf with my dad tomorrow. We <laughs> get it, Daniel. <laughs> um, so uh, so so that's what I recommend. Just start small, uh, start earning passively, yeah, and then building that passive until you're working one x and earning two x, and at that point you have the f- the freedom to only or er, uh, only earn. To one uh, x without working one x. I agree. So I like that's um, and then I I understand like I I can go back and get a job and make 150 200k a year extra, mm-hmm. but in reality, um, to me the the family time is more worth it mm-hmm. to be able to um, hang out with my wife, hang out with the dog, and then have both of us at home five days a week when the kids are growing up to make sure that they're not getting in, involved with the wrong people, getting their homework done, mm-hmm. all that stuff um, is way more important to me than an extra 150 to 200 K a year. Yeah. I mean, the purpose of making money is to in, kind of like enjoy your life and yeah. And, and I mean, no offense to, to, to other people that, uh, that are into careers um, that are much more hardworking than I am. <laughs> But um, but for me, it's like I I never could care less about a career. Um, to to me, a career is is meant to provide you with the things you love in life, mm-hmm. and your life isn't dedicated to building a and being completely dedicated to a career. So yeah, I I agree with that statement as well. And a lot of people will agree to disagree, and that's uh, and it's our privilege to uh, educate. Yeah, it's our it's our privilege to to be able to disagree. Exactly. Oh, that's a great one, man. Yeah. So as you're approaching the end of the podcast, what is your favorite book or podcast that super inspired you? That's not Rich Dad Poor Dad. Um, <laughs> so uh, I I honestly don't read very many books or listen to very many podcasts. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> to be a hundred percent, hundred percent honest. Uh-huh. Um, 
there's one thing that has motivated me and it's, it's kind of funny. Um, I, uh, I have an uncle, uh, he's probably not going to listen to this. And if he is too, I, I, I'm not bashing your system. I promise. But, um, he is, his, he's religiously follows the, um, the academic version of retirement, such uh-huh. as stash away 15% of your income. Um, and as long as you make 60 K a year or more, you earn 6.6% compounded returns for 40 years. Mm-hmm. You'll have $1.6 million mm-hmm. uh, in retirement and you can retire at the same, if you, if you contribute 15%, you'll retire the same way you lived when you stopped working. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that, that just didn't work for me because of the 40 years part, the 40 years part of, of working just did not work. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so anyway, he, um, uh, I was talking to him one day about uh, life insurance mm-hmm. and I had a, I had like a modified whole life insurance policy and he, he gave me this whole ramble about why are you doing that? You can reinvest the, uh, the, the difference between um, the term life insurance and the whole life insurance. Mm-hmm. And why do you even need that big of an insurance policy? You're never going to be worth 10 million or more. Oh no. And I really, I was like, in my, I was like, what did you say? <laughs> I'm not going to be worth how much and so every single day until the day I hit 10 million. I'm going to think of that. And that's, that's what really, really drives me. And I still, yeah. I still kind of, I felt kind of insulted by that. And so, okay. and so I'm still building um, to that point, mm-hmm. the 10 million and, and really um, in terms of, to answer your question more in terms of um, kind of my, um, I have to, I have to give credit to, to my mentors, um, throughout my whole career. Um, there's a, uh, there's a lender in, uh, Los Altos. His name is Chris Bridgman. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if anybody's gonna, he's probably not going to listen to this, but, uh, tag him. uh, he was my first, <laughs> uh, a lender mentor. And then, uh, Lana Nguyen, Rich's wife was my first flipping mentor. She mm-hmm. kind of taught me everything, uh, that I knew about flipping and then uh, Rich took me under his wing when I started real estate, and he he really helped me. Um, and then uh, when I went to Cincinnati, um, Nate Barger and Mike Ely, they have taught me everything uh, in the last couple of years or so, and, mm-hmm. and I've learned so much from. And I, I definitely wouldn't be where I am. And um, and oh, another guy uh, when I, I I switched mortgage firms, mm-hmm. and I went to another guy who was my mentor. His name is uh, Victor Labou in San Jose, he has his own mortgage bank. But, uh, so all these, all these people have basically molded every single part of my, uh, I had to give them a, I had to kind of give them a shout out. No problem, man. Everything, everything I know and everything that, um, that created my experience into a package that, that got me where I am today was because of, because of all of them. Definitely, man. So, Glad you did the so, shot. Sorry to say, sorry to say, uh, listeners out there, I don't really have any uh, book or podcast recommendations because I just don't, I just don't do too much reading. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> uh, hey, Daniel, what's the best way to reach you and contact you? Yeah, so um, the best way to reach me is probably via email. Um, my email is Daniel at Nassau Invests, and that's uh, Nassau, like the uh, the city in the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. Nassau is Mike's company and um, Mike loves the Bahamas. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> so it's N A S S A U invests, uh, plural I N V E S T S dot com. So Daniel at Daniel D A N I E L standard spelling at Nassau invests.com. Awesome. Hey, Daniel, thank you so much for being the podcast, man. I appreciate yeah, thanks, it. Thanks for inviting me. It makes me feel somewhat important. You are important. <laughs> <laughs> right. Not just to my wife and my mom. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you. Yeah.